I think as we see current events going on around us and things happening, we need to remind ourselves that the Lord does reign. And it's interesting to me that there's some things that looks to me like, you know, they're going to happen no matter what. He's, he's in charge and there's things going to happen. They're going to transpire because he's preparing the way for his son's return. And there's certain things that have to happen. And I, I believe that uh, we're in those times. I want to share today about encouraging one another. I believe it's God's intent for us to encourage one another because, you know, back in the early days of the church, they faced a lot of persecution. And I believe that the early church, they they encouraged one another a lot because of everything they faced. And I don't think we face that kind of persecution per se now here. But I believe even in our world, we face a lot of times where it's important that we encourage one another. You know, our world seems to be a lot of fragmentation, a lot of division, um, a lot of conflict, uh, just a lot of a lot of turmoil. I guess I'd call it kind of turmoil. Um, and I think we just see it in so many areas of our lives. We just face so many different struggles and uh, so many different things that we we've probably never seen before, at least in our lifetime. And so I think it's important for us to be encouragers. Christians, we need to be encouragers. You know, I believe we're, we're given many examples in the Bible of uh, different people that encourage. Um, we last week looked at the fact that God is an encourager. You know, it's his, it's his nature. It's his nature to encourage us. And so today I want to I just take a look at a couple of examples of people in the Bible that were encouragers. And... Uh, you know, there's there's probably several, but I picked out two. Um, one maybe is kind of, uh, it's not obvious, but uh, there's a man in the Bible by the name of Barnabas. And Barnabas uh, was an encourager. We don't hear a lot about him. Uh, we're going to take a look at just a couple segments of Scripture. Um, but we see from this that he was a man that just encouraged people. Um, in Acts, the fourth chapter, the 36th verse. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Interesting that the, the apostles saw something in this man. Either God revealed it to him or from his conduct, they saw something, they changed his name. They changed his name to Barnabas, which is son of encouragement. So there was something about him that they could see. Isn't that the truth with encouragers? I mean, there's something about people who are encouraging. You just see it. You may see it tangibly. You may see how they treat you. Or you just sense that, you know, they're just just encouragers. They're just encouraging. You know, and sometimes we'll say things like, you know, I just enjoy being around them. You know, I just enjoy being around them. I feel better. I feel better when I'm around them. But we see here that Barnabas, you know, it says he was named the son of encouragement. And it says here that he had land and he sold it and he brought it the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know, he was tangibly willing to give of everything he had to help others. And sometimes encouragement can take that form where we do things for people. You know, we do things for them. We do things that encourage them. You know, and back then, everybody brought what they had, or not everybody, but, you know, it appears like 
Most of the apostles and people that followed Christ at that time brought everything and they gave it to the apostles and then they distributed it as needed to take care of people. And so, you know, Barnabas was that kind of a person that he physically did things. You know, I assume he was, you know, from this he was a giver. He loved to give. He saw a need, he was willing to give. You know, he didn't have to be told. If he saw somebody, you know, around him, could be whether you at work or a neighbor or wherever it might be, he saw somebody had a need, he was willing to give. He's willing to give. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. When you have a need, and you have a need, and a real need, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, when you really need something. You know, there's a difference between wanting something and needing something. You know, we can all want a lot of things. But when you have a need, when you need something, and somebody meets that need, you know, that's encouraging, encouraging. And what's really encouraging, it doesn't always have to be this way, what's really encouraging sometimes is when somebody meets that need and maybe they didn't really know you had the need. Now, I really believe God can put it in our hearts to give to somebody and meet a need that we don't even know is there. So I encourage you that if you hear of something or something inside of you says, you know, you ought to do this for somebody, and you think, you know, and here's what will happen. You'll get the thought, you know, I ought to do this for somebody. And then the next thought will be, oh, no. Oh, no, that, th- no, I don't, that won't work. Or, oh, no, well, th- they won't, they won't, they'll try to think of, you know, they'll, they'll wonder what I'm doing. You know, oh, they won't probably appreciate it. You know, you, you're going to get the second thought that's always going to discourage you from doing it. But I'm just telling you if, you, if you get that sense of, hey, you know, Maybe I ought to do something for somebody. You don't have to understand it. You know, you just do it. You know, just do it. Acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. You know, those things encourage others. They encourage other people. And then in Acts, the ninth, ninth chapter, the ninth chapter, the 19th verse, 19 to 30, it says, so when they had received food, he was strengthened. When he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples of Damascus, Saul who became Paul. And immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called his name this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? You know, as they're saying, Wait a minute, this guy was just persecuting Christians. He was just killing Christians, and now he's here spreading the message? Or is he just doing this so he can trap us to get us to come? You know, it's like, well, I don't know if we should trust him. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. So, you know, there's people out to get Paul right away from You know, the Jews are plotting to kill him because now he's, He's become a follower of Christ. Then the disciples took him by night and they led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he joined the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. So Paul's got, you know, he's got the Jews, who he was one, killing Christians. They're mad at him. The Christians now, they don't trust him. Paul at this point is just right in between everybody. You know, did you ever feel like, not in this sense probably, but did you ever feel like you're right in between everybody? Like, you know, I don't think I can please, what do we say? I don't think I can please anybody. 
And that's where, that's where Paul was at this time. And it says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So, so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Who was it that took Paul when nobody wanted him? It says, but Barnabas took him. Barnabas took him. And it seems like, well, of course Barnabas would take him because Barnabas was the encourager. You know, Barnabas could see, and he was willing to encourage Paul. Hey, I'm sure he said, hey, Paul, it's going to be all right. I'll take you down to the apostles and let's talk to him. You know? He, he was that person willing to stand, come and stand beside you. You know, sometimes you just need that person willing to come and stand with you. Somebody just to support you. You know, I don't know that Barnabas, you know, doesn't say he did a whole lot, but it was a lot that he came and took Paul and stood with him and encouraged him and encouraged him. I believe at a time when Paul really needed it. You know, there's those points in our life, there's those times when we really need encouraged. We don't always need, you know, there's times maybe when encouragement's nice, but you know, there's times when you really need encouraged. There's times when it's timely. And I believe this was one of them in Barnabas because it was his nature. It was because it's who he was. It's who he was. He was an, he was an encourager. And he, he came and he took Paul. And he took him to the disciples and he shared with them. I believe, you know, there's times when, and one of the times I think, folks, is, you know, and I, I, a lot of people I know avoid funeral homes. You know, it's not the most place you want to go. Hey, let's, let's go to a funeral or, you know. Um, but let me say this. It's a tremendous time to encourage people. Tremendous time to encourage people. And what do we always say? Well, I don't know what to say. Well, if you don't know what to say, don't say much. Just be there. Just be there. I don't think sometimes we understand the power of just our presence. Not because of who we are, but because of the encouragement of Christ that we can bring to people. And sometimes that encouragement is just being there. Just being there. You know, we don't have to say a lot. You know, it's okay to say, you know, I'm praying for you or, you know, you have my sympathy or bless you. You know, you can, there's little things you can say, but you don't have to give a lot of dissertation. But you know, hey, you know, we're here. We're here. We'll be praying for you. There's just things we can do to encourage, encourage one another. And it's timely sometimes. You know, it's, it's timely. There's times when, when people need that encouragement. The other example I want to look at today is, is the Apostle Paul himself. In Acts 14, Acts 14, 19 to 22, it says, Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Interesting. Well, you know, Interesting to say, encouraging them that through many tribulations. Well, you know, that's kind of a, it's kind of a like, wow, that's encouraging. 
you know, I'm encouraging you to let you know that there's going to be through many tribulations that this is going to happen. But he was encouraging them. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after this, they passed through Pisidia. Um, oh, I went too far. Um, so the Apostle Paul, he encouraged the disciples. He encouraged the disciples. You know, he was there to stand with them. And he, he was honest. You know, let me say this about encouragement. Encouragement doesn't mean you have to lie to somebody about something. You know, the Apostle Paul didn't say, oh, I just want to encourage you, you know, we're all going to follow Christ. And it's all going to be fun. We're all going to have a good time. We're going to live the good life. And it'll just be like, wow, the best thing in the world. It'll be heaven on earth. No, he said, you know, I encourage you to know that uh, we're going to make it through many tribulations. Many tribulations. You know, he, he wasn't sugarcoating it. He didn't say, oh, you'll, you're going to feel better. He says, no. Just know that, you know, it's going to be okay. Strengthen your faith because we're going to go through many tribulations. Many tribulations. You know, it's, um, it's interesting to, to think about that sometimes, to think about what we face. Aren't you glad we don't know what we're going to face tomorrow? You know, sometimes that's a good thing. Now, we could say, and I think it's honest to say, that, you know, life is hard sometimes. Life is hard sometimes. Sometimes we face struggles. Sometimes we face things that we really would rather not face. You know, sometimes we face things because of our own sinfulness. Sometimes we face things because of the sinfulness of previous generations. Talk about fair. I always thought that was the most unfair thing. You know, just because the generations before me messed up, how come I got to pay? Well, part of the reason is because when generations sin and fall away from God, it goes to the third and fourth generation. You know, it, it passes on. Now, I believe God can redeem us out of those situations, but we have to turn to him. We have to turn to him. Individually, I believe God can redeem my situation, but that doesn't mean that if I'm in a situation where God is not happy with a nation or not, God's not happy with, with more than just my situation, that, you know, sometimes as Christians, we're going through it. We're going through stuff that happens because of sinfulness of generations before us. I think, personally, that a lot of the things we're experiencing now in our country are the results of sin of past generations. And our generation also, I'm not just like passing it off and saying, well, it's just blame all of our parents and grandparents. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, if you know, you get generations that make bad decisions and you walk away from the Lord and you get far enough from him, guess what? Life doesn't get any better. Life doesn't, you know, and, and so to encourage in the midst of that, what do I just put on blinders and say, well, it's okay. It's, it's, you know, it's just let the world go by and I'll just be okay. Well, guess what? We're facing some of those things. We're facing those things now in our families. You know, when you've, when you've taken the family 
away from God's plan. You take the family away from God's plan, two or three generations, I'm telling you that when you get to the third and fourth generation, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. And I think we're there. I think we're there. When you take God out of the schools, and I'm not, I'm not blaming all the, the shootings because we took God out of the school. I think it might have some impact. When you take God out of the schools, you take prayer out of the schools, what, what's left? What's left? The enemy, I think, has a heyday. The enemy has a heyday. And so, consequently, we sort of pay a price, you know? We pay a price. And now it's going to be one of those things, how do we turn? What's it take to turn back and trust him? Well, somewhere, somehow, somebody has to rise up. The church rise up. People rise up. Maybe a leader comes and rises up. But until that happens, we're going to face many tribulations. We're going to face a lot of stuff. So, does that sound discouraging? Yeah, kind of. So how do you encourage? I mean, these guys, these guys were facing death. They were facing persecution. They were being stoned. They were being, all kinds of things happened to them. You know, and Paul comes out, oh, hey, I just want to encourage you. How do you encourage somebody in the midst of that? We encourage them to let them know that God's going to be with them. God's going to be with them. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through stuff. He says they're going to face many trials and tribulations. But know that God's going to be with you. And so I think for us, we can see, and you know, throughout Scripture, Paul wrote many letters. He wrote many letters. And if you look at, we've been looking at a Bible study at Lincoln and Susie's at a lot of the epistles. And what was Paul doing? He was writing letters of encouragement. He was encouraging the believers. Encourage them. Send letters. To me, to me, that says we can do the same thing. You say, well, I, I can't, I, you can't write a letter like Paul did. I didn't say ask you to write a letter like Paul. I just said you send a note of encouragement. Think, find, ways, find ways to encourage people. Notes, you know. The older people in the congregation, they send notes. For young people, that's with a piece of paper and a pencil. Okay, you know, that they, there's people that still do that. But what we have now is we have then young people go, paper and a pencil, why would you want to do that? You know, they can electronically send you a word of encouragement. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, and, and you, you can multiply your words of encouragement sometimes electronically and there's a lot of benefits to it. You know, there's a lot of things that aren't encouraging electronically. Okay, you can get both sides of that sword. Okay, but you can be an encouragement. You can be an encouragement. And Paul was that. So I just encourage, I encourage you <laughs> to be encouragers, to be encouragers. You know, in your own way, in your own way, you know, as you just simple things, something just kind of comes to you, be an encourager. I say all that also to say, you wonder, well, how are we going to talk about our graduates? Well, we're going to encourage them. We're going to encourage them today. You know, we're going to honor them. And I was thinking about it. How do you encourage young people today? What, what can we do? There's lots of things we can do. 
But number one, like Paul, like Barnabas, you know, we can encourage them to keep growing in their faith. You're not done. You're just beginning. And in some ways, you're starting your own personal walk in the Lord. Because now you're going to be in some situation, you know, you know, everybody's a little different, but you know, to some extent, you're going to be away from the covering of your mother and father. And some are going to go off to college. They're going to go off to, to work. They're going to go to places out from under the comfort and the protection and the shelter of their home and mom and dad. And so for the first time in your life, you may be facing decisions about what do I really believe? Because there are going to be people who are going to come against what you think you believe. Well, you know, I'm not sure. I think I believe. There's people going to come against that. There's people going to question what you believe. And so I believe you're going to start making some adult decisions about what you really believe. What do you really believe? And if you're not grounded, you can go either direction. Some can get stronger, some can fall away. You know, it's an important time in your life. And so we encourage you to keep growing in your faith. Don't stop now. Wherever you go, find Christian friends. If you go off to college, find Christian friends. Find a group. Find people who are going to make good decisions. A lot of your life's going to depend on the people you find to hang around with. You know, it's, it's a big decision. Pick your friends carefully. Pick your friends carefully. Generally speaking, and I, I say this generally speaking, but it appears to me, this is just a personal observation, it appears to me that a lot of us aren't strong enough in our faith to endure attacks from people around us that attack our faith. That it seems to me the world has more influence on us than we have on the world. I don't say that happy, I'm not, but I, as an observation, it appears to me that in a lot of situations we don't aren't strong enough in our faith to change the world. It seems like, and if you listen to statistics, it seems like a lot of young people when they leave home, when they leave the confines of the church, when they graduate and they go out, they lose what faith they had. And so I encourage you, I encourage you, pick your friends carefully. Pick who you hang around with carefully. It can make or break you. It can make or break you. It, it's critical. My last piece of advice is very, very, very practical. Work hard. The generations coming up now don't know how to work. They don't know how to work. We haven't taught them. I'm not blaming them. We haven't taught them. We maybe haven't stressed enough the importance of work. Maybe we gave them too much. But try to figure out how to work hard. How to work hard. Be on time. Be on time. Respect other people's time. 
You know, if you're supposed to be at work, show up five minutes early. Don't always come dragging in five minutes late. Be on time. Work hard. Be friendly. You know, you know, be in a, be friendly. Be like you, you know, even if it's a job you don't like very well, act like you're happy. You know? But work hard. And you know, whether it's a boss or a teacher or a professor, figure out what they want and do it. Not what you want. You know, if you've got a boss and he's got things to get done, the smartest thing you can do is figure out what he wants to get his jobs done. Guess what? He's going to be happy with you. Instead of somebody that goes, I don't think that'll work. We ought to do, you know, don't be always coming up with your own ideas. You know, the boss is there. He's got a job to do. He's the boss. And sometimes they don't have to be right. Just figure out what they want and help them do it. Guess what? He's going to like you. It's, it's not rocket science. You know, if you want to succeed, work hard. Work hard. They can't find workers. They can't find workers. And, you know, and it's not just uh, work as far as going to college and all. I'm telling you something. They need people who can fix. Pl- Ask Jonathan. Jonathan, you know, they need plumbers. You know, I talk to construction people, and guess what they're telling me? They're all swamped because they can't find anybody to work anymore. And they can't find anybody that knows what to do. Work hard. You know, it's biblical. You know, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, thank goodness we got a government still got a little money. You can get away with not working. They still give you a little money. You know, I'm not promoting that. I'm just saying, well, that's how, that's the attitude of a lot of people. You know, but work hard, work hard. I want to close with this scripture from Jeremiah. I alluded to it last week and shared it, and I want to share it today to our graduates, and then I'm going to have them come up and pray for them. Jeremiah 29, 11. The Lord says, For I know the thoughts that I have that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for you. God has a plan. And it's a journey. You know, it's a, that, that, that part of life is a journey, finding God's plan. Sometimes his plan is for us to be here, to get us to here, to get us to here. You're not going to the destination first, most people. The plan is not to get, okay, I got it all figured out. This is what I'm going to do. You know, some people get it pretty, seem to get it pretty close and pretty tight. Most people take a journey. But God's got a plan and a future. And hope for you. Always remember that. When you thought, man, I can't figure out what I'm doing. This doesn't seem, I don't know, I'm confused. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Trust him. Ask him, Lord, show me your plan. I do not believe that God's got a plan that he wants to keep it a secret. He's not going to tell you. (laughs) You know, to me, that didn't make any sense. God's got a plan. I just can't figure out what it is. Well, sometimes I feel like that. But I still know that he's got a plan and he's going to show me. And I can find that and he'll direct my path and he'll get me to where he wants me to be. So never forget, God's got a plan for you. He's got a future. You know, trust him. You know, 
And honestly, the devil's got a plan too. The Bible says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil's got a plan. And he's got ways of of doing that. But seek the Lord. Follow him. Follow his plan. Okay, we're going to have Matthew and Trinity. Matthew Klein and Trinity Bank, you're going to come up and we're going to pray for them and honor them. Give them a gift. Come on up. One, two, all right. <laughs> I believe Matthew is going to be going to, Def- I heard Defiance College. Yep, Matthew's going to Defiance College. And I assume Trinity is going to be cutting my hair. <laughs> right? Sure. Oh. <laughs> all right. I already got a barber in the church, so sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but um, so, you know. They've, they've got a plan. They've got a plan and a, and a direction. And so you start walking in that plan. You start following what you think the Lord's telling you. You'll guide your steps, get you to the right place. So let's, let's pray for them. And, and not just today, and not just these two, but pray for young people everywhere. Pray for young people everywhere, that they can find that plan. They can find that plan and know that God's got a plan and that they follow him and serve him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for Matthew and, and Trinity, Lord. Thank you for your hand upon them, for blessing them through school. Lord, we thank you for being with them and watching over them. We thank you for direction that you've given them. Lord, we thank you for your plan. Lord, help them never to forget that you have a plan and a future for them. And Lord, just help them to be able to trust you for that. Lord, encourage them in their faith. Lord, encourage them to keep going. They haven't arrived yet. They're just beginning. And Lord, help them to walk with you and to know that you're there and they can trust you. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for being with them. Lord, bless them. Encourage them. And Lord, help us to be an encouragement to them also. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, we just thank you for watching over them. Bless their families. Lord, just uh, continue to guide them in all that they do. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Matthew, bless you. Trinity, bless you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's an encouragement. Thank you. God bless you. Okay, you can be come back. Okay, let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for being able to gather this morning. Lord, we thank you that we can come together and we can encourage one another. Lord, I pray that when we come and we fellowship, that it's an encouragement. Lord, help us to be an encouragement to the world around us. Lord, as we go forth, help us to to find opportunities, to look for, to be sensitive to opportunities where we can encourage others. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your word. Lord, dismiss us now with your blessing. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.